I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Alan Cumming and welcome to my shelves. My shelves are sort of a museum of my life. I like to keep things from my travels that are, to me anyway, the very essence of the experiences I've had. Sort of portals, if you will, to a specific time and place. And the inspiration for stories and memories and musings. Here's my little battery-operated fuck box. You press a button and these things happen. Fuck off. <laughs> Here's my invitation to the White House, framed from President and Mrs. Clinton for a cocktail party, which I wasn't able to attend because I missed my plane. Here's my Joe 90 action figure. People think that I had that from my childhood, but I actually stole it from the set of The High Life, the sitcom that I wrote with my friend Forbes Masson, in which we featured Joe 90 quite heavily in one episode. And today I'm taking down from Alan Cummings' shelves this item. Can you hear it? Squishy. It's blue. It's a yoga mat. And here to discuss it is my friend Barnaby Harris. And this is a family show, Alan, so I, but um, I think I can say terrible drug addiction. Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome. You may wonder why I have a yoga mat. As part of my collection of uh, beloved things. Well, this yoga mat is very special for me. It's blue. As I said, it's squishy. It's a high quality yoga mat. But the best thing about it is that in the bottom left hand corner, it says the words fuck yoga in white. So Barnaby, fuck yoga. Just why? My ex-wife was a yoga fanatic, obsessed (laughs) <laughs> which drove me to make a T-shirt for her birthday as a joke uh-huh. that said fuck yoga on it. Right. I gave it to her on her birthday. <laughs> How did that go? It did not go over well. In fact, I gave it to her in the middle of her morning practice. Barnaby. To sort of make it even more effective. We were divorced six months later. Consequently, I mean, in irony to the max, I ended up doing yoga regularly to heal my own wounds. When? About um, <laughs> after the marriage had blown apart. Um, so, so you, so that. Hang on. Let's just do the chronology. So you were married. She was a big yogi. You kind of hated yoga. You did the t-shirt. You gave it to her. You got divorced, and then after that, you got into yoga yourself. I did. It was recommended. This might give you also a hint about the marriage. I was living at the Chelsea Hotel. Oh God. Yes, back in the day. I couldn't really stand up straight for a number of reasons. Um, and a friend of mine recommended going to a yoga teacher named Eddie Stern, who ran the Broom Street Temple down on Stern. Broom Street. Stern? Yeah. In six months, I was perfectly healed. Why could you not stand up straight? Could you share that with us? 
Yes. Um, and this is a family show, Alan, and so I, but um, I think I can say terrible drug addiction. Uh, that's fine. Yes, we can say that. Yes, alcohol, massive alcoholism and a two-year residency at the Chelsea Hotel, which I applied for and got in, um, you know, as a <laughs> graduate student for yeah. drug addiction. Yes. I had honours on the way out. <laughs> exactly. Graduated have, with honours. I'm honors. actually looking at my diploma now. <laughs> So you went to yoga once you'd stopped drugging and drinking? No, no, no. no. Yoga is amazing in the way that you can do both at the same time. <laughs> I, I needed to stand up straight because you can't really go through life hunched over. I mean, you right. can. It's just more difficult. It just made drinking and drugging more fun when you can stand right. up. Yes. You know, you find out you can't uh, go to a bar if you if you're hunched over. You know, people are not going to serve you. And, you know, you're. <laughs> but dealer, you don't get the barman's attention. Curious. Yeah, your dealer's like, what's the deal? You know, you're hunched over. <laughs> Look me in the eye, bitch. <laughs> what are you, a cop? <laughs> so the irony is you you were teasing and tormenting your yoga practicing ex-wife with a fuck yoga t-shirt. And then yes. the irony is you get sort of physically saved by yoga. And so then did, then did you have a eureka moment and you thought, I know, I can open a store. No, what ended up happening is this is where you and I cross paths. I would wear fuck yoga all the time and, and uh, run in it and exercise in it and you know do yoga in it and this and that. And um, it had generated some press in GQ magazine, in um, The Observer. It made its way around. You started uh, producing it as actual stuff by this point. Yeah. Yes. This is sort of early stages retail internet. So, so late 90s? Mid to late 90s, mm-hmm. correct. Our mutual friend, Mary McCormick, Yes, said, the lovely. you should get lovely Mary McCormick. She was in your show, uh, Cabaret. Mm-hmm. She said, you should give one of these to Alan Cummings. Uh, we had all been um, mesmerized. I'm saying it as being objective as I can, but what you were doing then was um, laying down a marker for the future of the theater, just like <laughs> Tim Curry did, just like uh, other great performances. You know, you were substantial. Still are, but I mean, at that particular time. Uh, have I had a nickel? Yeah, you were the man. And... Um, <laughs> So the fact that Mary was going to be able to get something to you was beyond me. Mary McCormack is an amazing actress and a dear old friend of mine. And she came into the 1998 production of Cabaret on Broadway uh, to replace Jennifer Jason Leigh, who had in turn replaced Natasha Richardson. And Mary and I became firm friends, great party friends. Uh, so much so that every time we see each other, we always just shout "Hooray!" at each other. My father uh, was mesmerized by you. My my whole family was, and so the fact that this might get to you was going to be something. And he, came, my father, who was in a wheelchair at that time, came to you know wheeled himself to the show to see you. And uh, ah. you know he said, um, you know, Alan's like a gay Jimmy Cagney. You know, he's like uh, what can do? I don't remember you telling all. me that before. Yeah, he can do it all. You know. Effortlessly, and the fact that my father was in love with you made the the fact that Mary was going to get some product to you even more substantial. So, anyway, wow. the, the long and short of it is, you got fuck yoga, and it was it worked for you at the time. I loved it. Yeah, you loved it. It was also, you know, it was just the right thing. You were you were the man. Uh, I was, that was totally on brand, as we say. Totally on brand. Then you asked me to be the fuck yoga poster boy. You were the fuck poster boy, yes. And we did a little catalogue and everything. Yes. And, and you had a store by this point in Soho. And then the store opened a little bit after that. I opened the fuck yoga store on Ludlow Street on the <laughs> corner of Rivington. 
People loved it, obviously. It was great. So it was a store, just to sort of describe to people, it's a store that has lots of things like sweatshirts and tank tops and skateboards and bags and all of them say fuck you got on them. Every single one. Right. In a tasteful way. (laughs) And the fuck yoga yoga mat that I've got, I just love taking that to a yoga class and rolling it out it's a great thing now my guy alex in in the east village like he expects it but like when i go to random ones in different places it's just such fun to see all the people in the class and the teacher not knowing quite how to deal with alan cumming has a yoga mat that says fuck yoga on the bottom of it it's just epic barnaby it's perfect I mean, I think you rolling out a fuck yoga mat is, as you say, really on brand. Yeah. And it's been that way since our paths crossed, you know, know. for me. Did I tell you about once when I was in Vancouver and I was wearing the fuck yoga tank top? I went to the gym in the hotel I was uh, at. Oh, no, it was was the gym next door to my hotel. I was exercising away and I, you know, people I could tell I was causing a bit of a stir. And the the man from the gym walked over to me, some trainer guy, and he went, um sorry to do this and I honestly was like I was going to say oh do you have a pen you know because I thought you wanted an autograph (laughs) and he said to me he said I'm going to ask I'm going to have to ask you to leave the gym I was like what and he said your t-shirt is offending some of our members and I was like what and I I looked down I realized I'm wearing a fuck yoga uh, tank top and I said but but you know it's ironic it's funny it's like you said, well, some of our, our, our oh, members actually practice fair. yoga and they t- they're actually offended by the thing. I was like, oh, lighten up, Canada. Yeah, seriously. No, I, I have gotten that a lot. I, that has happened to me over the years and um, I go with it. The big question I've always wanted to ask Barnaby, and I'm so glad I have this podcast so I get to do it, is what gave him the idea to put the two words fuck and yoga next to each other? Those words exist in the language on opposite ends of the spectrum. Yes. And when you smash them together, it's... it's just genius. It's, it's perfect. What I thought was so clever about it is that sort of fusion of naughtiness and sacred. And then you did some other things where you sort of thought, what is, what is another word we could put after fuck that would, be, that would have the same sort of shock yes. value? Yes. Which was fuck Frank Gehry. Frank Geary had reached such an, a nauseating level of um, celebrity. Yeah, this is around the time of the Bilbao yes. Guggenheim and all that stuff. Yeah. Fuck Frank Geary has a very lyrical quality to it. Totally. You know, you can't say, um, let's say, um, Frank Lloyd Wright. <laughs> too long. Yeah, it's too long. It's not lyrical. I am pay. Fuck I am pay. You can't, well, that kind of works, actually. Fuck Frank Geary at the time really worked. Well, and he was so sort of hallowed. He was just this, seen as this genius and not only that there was a big article in vanity fair that brad pitt worked as an intern at his office yeah. that was the tipping point and so we made these fuck frank geary t-shirts they sell well i'm happy to report that frank geary himself owns more fuck frank geary t-shirts than i do For those of you who don't know, Frank Gehry is a world-renowned architect. He makes these really wonky, asymmetrical-shaped buildings. A lot of them are titanium-clad, and he's probably best known for the design of the Bilbao Guggenheim Museum in Spain. Do you know what? When I met Frank, I was at this 
this weekend as a treat thing. He was there with Berta, his wife, who is hilarious. The pair of them are hilarious. Yes. And like Berta said to me one time, we're having drinks and chatting. And she said, you know, I have a, I have a flirting problem. I was like, what? She goes, yeah, I have, I have, a, I have a problem. I flirt terribly. And Frank's like, mm-hmm, she does. <laughs> but when I met him, he came over to me. He was sort of a good wife fan. He kind of went over and said how much he enjoyed it. I was like, oh my gosh, Frank, well, I'm such a fan of your work and everything. But also, I have a Fuck Frank Gary t-shirt. And he went, so do I. <laughs> no, he has, a, he has a marvelous sense of humor. Yeah. I think I probably sold their office 250 t-shirts. Um, wow. Or more. Um, and I think it's required. It's like the uniform of the Santa Monica <laughs> headquarters of Geary Partners Limited. Hilarious. Yeah, they couldn't be nice. The last time I saw Frank was when he came to see me in my concert. It was called Alan Cummings Sings Happy Songs. And I was doing it at the Disney Concert Hall in Los Angeles. Now, that obviously is another Frank Gehry building. He designed that beautiful building. And when I told him that I was going to be playing in it, he said, I'm going to come and see you. So I was so honoured and also really nervous about him coming to see me. Like I was going to in some way, you know, disfigure this beautiful building of his by my bad performance. But what was amazing was it was in Los Angeles. So there was lots of famous people coming backstage afterwards. But the only people that were my band were interested in meeting were Frank and his wife, Berta. And I saw them on the monitor. The stage manager pointed me, out, them out to me, the monitor that you, you can see backstage. It looks at the audience. And he, he came back and we had a wee drink and had a really nice chat. And as he was going away, he said to me, and I'll never forget this because it is actually the best compliment, I think, an architect could give to someone performing in a building they have created. He said to me, you know, Alan, you really filled the space. And I was just like, good night, Vienna. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I wanted to go back to you mentioned your dad. Yes. Who's sadly no longer with us. But I sang a song that your dad wrote that you gave to me that I just love. And I sing it still to this day. I actually sang it for someone's birthday last year during the lockdown. So tell us about your dad. He was a big TV person. Yeah, he was a big shot in TV. And um, again, I can't, um, I won't keep doing it, but he adored you. And um, he was a man of few words. He cared more about the written word. If my mom was standing here next to me and my sister, and you asked each one of us what was the most important thing absolutely in the world to my father, Mm. they might each say uh, something else. But he cared about the written word just a little bit more than his family. And I don't mean that in a funny <laughs> or, or, or like a horrible way. It was uh-huh. so important to him, words right. and how they came out on the page. Um, so he was a writer on TV. He was a writer. He did a lot of TV, famous TV shows and produced and created a lot of famous TV shows. Um, and so beautiful, the song for you or the song that my father wrote. Yes. My, my father wrote that a million years ago uh, for his best friend's mother's birthday who was turning 96 96 i thought i always say it 94 because it's 96 96 years old her name was bunny and he wrote the song called beautiful and um and it's and it it's so her. good because he set it up like that i used to end my concert show with it and say you know this is a beautiful song it's called beautiful and it's actually for it's written for the a birthday of a 96 year old lady and I, w- I would have loved to have seen her face My eyes were ignited by your beauty And my lips were excited to say What my heart was shouting out so deep inside me Well, that was then Here's how they'd say it today You're fucking beautiful And when I kiss your lips I hear those fucking angels sing a hymn to your grace, you're fucking beautiful And when I look into your eyes, well, I see everything on your whole fucking face If I were a wise man, I'd have the words, I'd have the wit Alas, I am no wise man In fact, I don't know shit except you're fucking beautiful and when I hold you close, it feels like fucking paradise come true. And with your charms here in my arms, I'd be content my fucking life with fucking you. It's like the same thing as you doing like fuck yoga, taking You're right. something sacred and putting something subversive before it. You have this, and especially if you set it up with the story about this old 96-year-old lady and, right. and it's a beautiful, my eyes are ignited by your beauty and my lips are excited to say it. It's like that. And then it says, you're fucking beautiful. And so everyone is so excited because they have been sort of... Um, tricked in a kind of lovely way they've been sort of they understand this subversion coming up with this sort of sense of tradition and 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 the melody and the melody is very sweet very sweet yeah beautiful so in a way it's a similar like what your dad was doing is kind of it's like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because that's really the essence of what fuck yoga was 100 percent right and i take that as a compliment my father was 
for better or worse, you know, my hero and somebody who I looked up to and respect and you know admire and steal from constantly. <laughs> <laughs> Could you tell us about the future of fuck yoga? Is there a future to fuck yoga? Yes, or is I it can forever? tell you. I can tell you um, it is going to be a TV series called mm-hmm. Fuck Yoga. All I can say is basically it's a version of The Sopranos. And just imagine if the mob ran health and wellness in New York is all <laughs> I'm saying. Got it. Imagine if Gwyneth Paltrow... Um, and Goop was a mob organization. Right. Yeah, w- Which is it's was, not that hard to believe. It, I didn't, it's not, yeah. it may be true. It may be true. I love that she was a fuck yoga wearer. Oh, early adopter. I mean, and not to mention yeah. the fact that Eddie Stern also, you know, the people in yoga who actually are A, effective in what they do, are able to communicate with their people that they're teaching. And like my ex-wife, who is a lovely person, I you know I haven't spoken to her in a million years, but... She was a lovely person. She loved yoga, but she took it too seriously. Mm. People take yoga way, way too seriously. And Eddie yes. Stern, Gwyneth Paltrow, Alan Cumming, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. And I think it, yeah. it it will run its course with you. I think that's an important thing. Like, you know, like your dad's song, like this, like all these things. It's actually, yes, mean it, mean it for what it is, but also have one eye looking out at yourself and not taking yourself too seriously or being too subsumed into something. Exactly. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, and those who don't define us either, we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously. I'm going to mull on that as I roll out my fuck yoga yoga mat and do a little bit of a shtanga. Till next time, take care, everybody. Namaste. Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome. Fremda. Étranger, stranger. Fuck, 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 in love. Alan Cumming Shelves is hosted by me, duh, Alan Cumming. And my predator, that's not anything weird or wrong or scary. It's just someone who is a mixture of a producer and an editor. You see, predator. His name is Jack Claremont, and he's an absolute darling. And we are part of the Crowd Network. Now, another Crowd podcast to check out is Unaccountable. It's a podcast fighting for police accountability in the United States. It's a podcast that tells the stories of innocent people who've been killed by the police, just like George Floyd, but also people like Mohammed Muhaimin, Shacey House and Carrie Illidge. And so many more you haven't heard about, but you really should have. The stories can be difficult to listen to, but this could be the most important podcast you'll ever hear. It's a podcast fighting for change, and we need to join that fight. Just search for Unaccountable in your podcast app now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started.